There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome, listeners, to The Extra Inch. My name's Windy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Windy. And our tactics guy, and I can't decide on an intro, so I'm going to let the fans decide. Tweet me your uh, your, your Nathan intros. Nathan A. Clark. Hello, Nathan. Got, there's one here saying that I should be man of the match, tied fourth man of the match with, with everyone else as well. <laughs> Bardi, are you, are you putting in a claim for man of the match? No, not at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm quite happy just doing the sideways passing, just keeping us ticking over. Fair, fair. Hmm. Um, Bardi, I'm going to start off with this. This is from Paul Watson, who says, Did any of you go to the protest? And if so, what were your thoughts? You did go. I did go. I went down to, to see what was happening. I just kind of thought as a as a season ticket holder and someone that kind of buys into, you know, regularly paying money into Spurs. Oh, did you see I that, Nathan? Do you see how he's putting us in a pedestal? But He's putting himself <laughs> on a pedestal above us straight away. As well, a season ticket holder, I thought I, as a real fan, would go down to the protest and see what the other real fans are thinking. Well, we all know the season tickets holders rank higher than you laptops. So I thought I'd go down and have a look to see what was going on. And it was it was a protest. There was some there was some banners up and people gathered and people mobilised, which is what I've always said I wanted to see from Spurs, a kind of mobilisation of the crowd. I still think it's a little bit leaderless. I think it needs guidance, but it's a, it's a step in the right direction. There were some things happening which weren't, great and it did kind of descend into a little bit of let's have a day out but you know people people got out there and they they went down and they they made a point and everything's got to start somewhere and in this kind of age where it is very easy to sit back and just hashtag stuff on twitter people did go out and make a statement so it's the first steps i'd like to see this continue i'd like to see it happen a bit more and i'd like to see um some kind of direction behind this but 
it's you know it's something it's something and it's a start i wasn't expecting you know us you know we're london it's a london club where london is an affluent area there's not much going on so for us to mobilize down here it does take something so that there's some credit there and you know what you know we're not like manchester united no 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 and and people have been trapped inside for so long i have absolutely no problem with people just using it as a bit of a get together with their mates frankly it's completely understandable that people are going to get a little bit overexcited have a a few beers um and sing about daniel levy dying um no i mean i i certainly didn't approve of the the daniel levy jelly and ice cream um song uh but you know what i i completely agree good to see people out and actually standing up for what they believe in uh whether or not i agree with with every aspect of the protests is kind of irrelevant they they did it and i'm 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 pretty happy like you that that people mobilized and uh mm. and got together to create something and uh, again like you i i think it needs a bit more focus next time and that and that, i think that will naturally happen as uh it gathers momentum and as uh, lockdown becomes lessened um massive shout out to rob bobby docks one of our ex-subs uh, and must not say Sarah, must not say Sarah, must not say Sarah. <laughs> Alexandria, uh, congratulations on your engagement, pair of you. Great news, very happy news. Bobby Docks is, is awesome. We're very happy for him. Um, Patreon's going well, boys. Um, just to remind, I mean, some people might not know that we've got a patron. It's not like we talk about it every <laughs> single week. Uh, so here's what you get if you fancy signing up for the Extra Inch Patreon. You get Nathan's videos, which at the moment are... Uh, the the good manager series primarily but also over the summer they will be linked videos so nathan analyzes players anything you want to add there nate <laughs> so i started to uh, at the end of last week's episode we started to talk about directors of football and i started to like plan out my notes and my prep for that and basically um there's no way of knowing who the good directors of football are I, like i really like you can't separate the variables like i can we can look at clubs and say here's a club who has a director of football and also recruits good players but you just don't know who does what and, and you can read a whole bunch of articles and they might just be a whole bunch of fluff so I've no idea <laughs> and neither does anyone else so if they tell you yes. that this is a good direction of football they're talking crap what I did instead is I prepared some off-season non-football content ooh mysterious ooh, ooh no further information <laughs> Oh, I hope I hope it's what I think it is. Okay. Yay. Okay. Cool. Um, I, I think we're gonna need a linked video on Joe Chim Anderson soon. Maybe, yeah, that's that's um, that's... It, it seems to be hot, hotting up, doesn't it? It's so. Um, you also get the other podcast that I do with Chris Summersell, who is a coach, an analyst, and one of the nicest people in the world. Um, it, it's about coaching, basically. It's also about an analysis that he does professionally. It's, I, th- I think it's really interesting. It's much more Chris than me. I just sort of steered the conversation. Um, it's called Straight Off the Training Ground, and I think it's a good listen. Uh, Bardi does a regular newsletter, which is absolutely banging. Got some really good writers. Uh, who contribute regularly, including you and Flynn, who's who's just knocking knocking him out every every time at the moment. You and smashing him out. I don't um, think there's um I don't think there's a more kind of consistent Spurs writer out there at the moment with match reports and everything else. He he just he just loves his type. He just loves his typewriter. He loves his keyboard. <laughs> He's just smashing away all the time. It's, it's all gold as well. It's, mm. There aren't many wasted words in in Ewan's writing. It's really good. <laughs> um, 
Also, I did a, a youth update podcast. So if you if you like what I used to do for the Fighting Cock with the weekly youth update, it was basically a 30-minute version of that, looking at our young players and players out on loan. We've got Bardi's Book Club, and Bardi's just started a new series, uh, which is a football manager stream, which I think is going to be a lot of fun. Bardi's, tell us what you're doing for that. Well, Book Club, book two is done. Tournament Frozen in Time by Steve Scragg. Despite moving house, I've still managed to finish the book. That is read. I... Book three will be you and Flynn's uh, We Are Sunday League. I thought I'd give his book a read and then get him on and talk about it. And we'll see nice. see what that book's all about. Um, the Football Manager series is it's just you thinking about me in the shower, Wendy, and coming up with an idea of uh, what, <laughs> what I could do. I, I swear you just sit at home thinking, what can I make Bardi do this week just to order him around? <laughs> and uh, you wanted me to take control of Tottenham and just sign, tot- uh, just sign Italian players. So like... And, uh, like Italian fire Tottenham so I I started to do that but I realised it would have been too easy so I started trying to sell all the Tottenham players and Daniel Levy he ruined me he wouldn't <laughs> let me sell anybody I um I sold Dyer to PSG for five million pounds, and then right at the last minute, Daniel Levy said, "Nah, we actually think he's worth 20. I tried to sell Harry Kane to Real Madrid for thirty-five million, but Levy wouldn't have it. So what I've done is I've built a brand new team called AC Mio Mister. So it's um an English team, but we're just going to be fully Italian, and we're only going to sign Italian team uh, Italian players, and we're only going to play Italian classic formations, <laughs> and we're oh, in the Premier it. League." And we're gonna we've got to see how it goes. Signed six players so far. Um, did one stream with some of the ex subs, and I'll advertise when the next stream goes live. And yeah, the more people we can get into to share. And I think I might hire you for an occasion to be my assistant manager. <laughs> and then once I've won the league, uh, Nathan can do a video on why I'm a great manager. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so let's get down to it. Let's talk about let's talk about balls. Um, I should say if you if that does sound interesting, if you want this, this is the stuff I always forget to say. If you want to join our Patreon, <laughs> go to patreon.com forward slash the extra uh, and, and sign up. It's it's about I think seven quid a month for all that stuff. I think it's, I think it's a bargain. If you pay annually, you get a discount as well. Um, yeah, give it a go. Try it out for a month. If you don't like it, drop out. Oh, and you also get access to the Discord, which is just wonderful. Great, great community of Spurs fans on there. Uh, good people. Now we'll get down to Wolves. <laughs> okay. Um, team selection. Again, nothing really exciting to say because it was the same. Uh, we had slightly speculated last week that Ndombele might come back in. To be honest, I did think he would I did think he would start. There was some sort of ITK that he would start. He didn't start. He's on the bench again. Uh, we've got lots of questions about that, so we'll talk about that in a bit more detail. Um, Tanganga. I had... Oh mm. yeah, Tanganga, of course. I said it's the same, but of course it wasn't because Tanganga was playing right back. Yeah, Aurier has an injury, which was kept very quiet. Um, but Tanganga came in at right back rather than Matt Doherty, which I suppose is, is a point of interest. Why do you think that might be, Nathan? Um, why specifically Tanganga rather than Doherty or why has yeah, Aurier come yeah. down with a, a bad case of transfer to PSG? <laughs> oh, you, you think that's even that's the case? Yeah, there was a quote, I think it was a Mason quote, where he's like, um, uh, he, he it was kept quiet, but he's not 100%, which doesn't sound like an injury. <laughs> like he's not 100% willing to put his body on the line when PSG <laughs> are knocking for a return. Tra- anyway, <laughs> whatever. Uh, why Tanganga instead of Doherty? Because he's played better. Um, because he's more athletic, um, yeah, <laughs> you know, I, I, uh, because he's he's an academy player, and Mason's gonna have a little bit of, of favour for academy players. Maybe he, there's some prior relationship there, or maybe he just likes the idea of doing things that way. Um, 
I thought he played pretty well. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I thought I thought Doherty, it seemed a little, I don't know, it, like Wolves are his old club. So it kind of, it made sense okay, for, for Doherty to start. And um, I, I felt like we were going to have a lot of the ball in this game. Wolves have been very passive in midfield this season. In fact, their midfield's been pretty terrible this season. Uh, and I expected Spurs to have lots of the ball, and I thought that's a good time for Doherty to come back in, uh, link up with Bale on that right-hand side and, and try and make a few things happen. That said, very happy with Tanganga's performance. I thought he was pretty dynamic, to be honest, and um, yeah, really resolute at the other end. Um, so let's talk about tactics and how it went. Um, Wolves, they're not particularly interesting right now. They're they're in a strange... They're in a strange state, I would say. Lots of young players playing. I don't think they quite know what they are. Lots of injuries, obviously, to Raul Jimenez and Pedro Neto. So lacking some key elements of their team. But but Vardy there, they seem... Oh, Pedense as well, who I like. Mm. He's, he's also injured. Um, but they, they don't seem up to much right now. No, they, they seem like a team that's kind of lost its way. They were wedded to the 3-5-2 and that stopped... But Fabio Silva just hasn't worked out as a, as a striker this year. He's still a young kid. He's got plenty of time to develop. But he's not really the kind of guy that you need to be leading the line. They, they're just missing big players. And all season, they've just seemed to... That kind of that kind of belief and that kind of ethos that Nuno Spirito Santo had done such a good job in instilling is he's just gone. And sometimes this does happen to um, to teams that are promoted. They kind of they start to plateau and then they start chasing it. And it's always that that danger where they start to chase it that things could go things could go backwards pretty fast. But you're right. And also you got to think they sold one of their better players as well in the summer. So. Yeah, there are a team at the moment lacking identity and you know it's a good team to come up against at the end of the season. They're safe, they're not really doing anything and it played into our hands totally. The perfect team to play at the perfect moment. Absolutely. And, uh, and Nathan, I thought we put them away pretty well. Yeah, I haven't paid attention towards this season. Um, so I was expecting a lot more competition in midfield and I was a little worried coming into this fixture because of what we saw against Leeds and um, sort of the first half against Southampton and of course against City. So I was I was a little concerned about this game, but we, we dominated start to finish basically. They didn't they didn't contest the middle of the pitch. They, they dropped off us and um, I think that's exactly what we want at the moment really. Mm. Um, I was really impressed. I was really pleased because I, I had a little bit of... of of nervousness around um, everything <laughs> following the lead, just a tiny bit, not like a, a dramatic concern. Um, but I sort of, I sort of, I needed to see that. I, I really wanted to see that against Wolves, and that's what we got. Um, yeah, they didn't, they didn't offer much. Um, I think that we, we, um, we struck a good balance of like um, patience in the final thirds without um, becoming just like uh, pointless you know um, and we, we maintained a constant threat and we did a decent job of preventing their not a great job but a decent job of preventing the counterattacks. obviously when Adama Traore is running at you there's not a lot you can do you have to wait for him essentially to hope that he messes up his pass or hope that he messes up his shot or hope he just dribbles off the edge of the pitch because um, you can't tackle him there's just literally nothing you can do or a ridiculous football player um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah but I, I, I was really impressed we had some really nice combination play. I think uh, Lo Celso came under criticism from the Leeds game. Um, but I think in this game where, where we're dominating, we're in control, where he can uh, push forward and be expressive, some really nice link-up play between him and Delhi. Um, just really nice combinations all around and, and players being creative and expressing themselves and while still following pans. Yeah, just really good stuff all around. I think it is... Um... You know, Mason Mason has decided what his team is and he's just going to play this team now to the end of the season. There's no 
there's no real fixture congestion. It is what it is, and he can take that. He could take that risk of playing Bale every every week, and it's got to work sometimes. At the moment, Spurs like that moment in the office where Ricky Gervais he's getting changed and he's letting it all hang out. Then the lady works walks into the changing room, and all of a sudden it sucks in. Spurs are a little bit like that at the moment. When they when they suck it in, they look all right, but. When they get pressed, it all kind of falls out, and like what Leeds did to us, I said that's 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 my worry with Spurs. But right now, with Aston Villa still to come, I, I think I think we're in a decent place. Yeah, I mean, I, I completely agree. I, I felt like essentially most of our players played pretty well in this game, mm. and um, and the setup suited us. Lots of lots of touches. Huibier with time on the ball looks a really really useful player. I think he did at the start of the year as well when he, when he had lots of touches, but certainly in this game we saw his creative side come out. Lovely threaded ball through for, for Kane. Again, no pressure on the ball, time to pick a pass like he did against Manu uh, early in the season, and he did it really well. He's clearly got some ability in, in, in terms of creating. And then he goes and scores a goal as well. Uh, let's let's talk about that Kane goal, because I think it deserves, it deserves a mention. So Tony, who is Mopo Hotspur, said, Harry Kane, truly world-class. How many other Spurs players missed that first goal Kane made it look easy and I think that's I think that's a really correct point to make that a lot of players do rush at that and they do sort of end up hitting it into the goalkeeper or defender Kane was just so in command of the situation he just played it on his own terms he, he allowed himself to take a look and wait and just take another touch and then it becomes an easy finish when actually it's a very difficult chance with with two players converging on you um he made it look so simple um and Bardi is that is that what we you know Kane now is you know obviously he's always been a great finisher but to me he just seems to have such a control over his his game and the game in general I think it's it's his patience which is which sets him apart he just a lot of strikers would have gone after the after the first touch, or when they felt the defender coming in, they would have they would have then taken the opportunity. But Kane just has that he has that faith and that that belief in himself to wait for the right moment, and that's all. In the end, it, he just tapped it in because he had the patience to wait, and that's that's something which I don't know. Even, I don't even know if you can learn that. That's just something which is just just a natural ability that he's just honed and practiced and yeah it's that's that's what sets him apart from pretty much every other striker in the country and you know mm. he if you if you think about how many goals he could have had this season he's he's hit the post he's hit the woodwork nine times this year which is like a record in the prem the only person that's hit the, the woodwork more is van persie and he hit it 10 times in one season so that's nine that's nine goals that he's missed out on so even if you give him half of those he'd be clear at the top of the premier league goal scoring table that's interesting i didn't i didn't realize you hit the woodwork quite so much. Yeah. Uh, Kane, Kane is like he's like our Doctor Strange, the way he just controls time and mm. things around him. It's mm. it's seriously seriously impressive. I just love watching him play. But you know, all of our other attacking elements performed well as well. I thought I thought Delhi was really impressive. Some nice touches, some nice backward pressure, which I referenced on Twitter during the game. Really good pressing, um, often forcing turnovers or winning the ball himself. Um, I agree with Nathan. I thought the Celso played well. There was criticism for him on Twitter. I had a conversation with with um, Ray at halftime about the Celso, who who didn't think he was very good. I thought I thought he did pretty well. Uh, Bale had some nice moments again like looked assertive it was interesting that Wolves played Semedo on the left uh, I presume to deal with Bale cutting in because Semedo was obviously playing on his wrong side as well Uh, but Bale still had the beating of him pretty much every time which was which was a really positive sign Um, I guess the only one that didn't quite live up to expectation was Son but then you know 
Son's, Son's in a difficult moment in terms of his own form, I think. And when you've got other players performing well, it doesn't matter quite so much. Uh, at the other end, there were a few concerns. So Paul, who is Paul No Punk Punctures, says, We kept a clean sheet against Wolves, but I feel we were very lucky on the day. Wolves couldn't hit a barn door. Why were Wolves able to get out at us so easily? And the Adama excuse <laughs> is invalid. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's not, man. Like, it, it can't be. Like at least what half two-thirds of those counter-attacks were Adama Traore like if we want to talk about the ones where he wasn't involved then like yeah fair enough we're not a perfect counter-pressing side um we won't be for some while I don't know who the next manager is going to be obviously that's what we're gonna have to work on um when you play Lo Celso as your as one of your midfield two, um, you know he's not ideal defensively for that role. I quite I still fancy him for that role regardless. Um, our defenders have mistakes in them, and we've seen those mistakes time and time again. When we've played in a different style and a different setup where they're exposed a lot more um, to to continual threats. Um, but they're going to be imperfect when defending space behind them too. Um, but, you know, what, what did Wolves put up in terms of expected goals? One. Just over one. Just over one. Yeah, there you go. So that's fine. That's, that's you know, that's a reasonable defensive performance. The difference is putting up the three plus the nearly four expected goals down the other end. And that's what matters. So um, I don't know. Wolves are in a, in a, in a bad place at the moment, um, but they still have those individuals, not just Adama, you know, Podinch as well, mm-hmm. the rest of them. Um, they're going to have threats on the counter and that's what you just have to expect to an extent from Premier League sides and you just have to, you know, <laughs> control the game as much as you can and put up your own chances at the other end. So that's football. Yeah, I mean, the good thing about Adama was that Adama was doing all the work and then having to pass it to another player. So so that, that benefited us because it wasn't him on the end of things as well uh, with the form he's in at the moment. Um, you mentioned expected goals. It's the first time we've created more than three expected goals since January, the fourth time <laughs> in the league all season we've done that. I, I think that's that's notable. I think it's worth worth pointing out. Um, I can definitely see a world on, in which under Mourinho we get ahead and then try and sit on that and something goes wrong. Uh, and so I think there's something to be said for the approach, which was to continue playing with freedom, with with some kind of uh, positive momentum, forward momentum. And I think we can be very happy. I actually feel I actually feel fairly confident for the last two games of the season. We play Villa and Leicester, who are both mm. good teams, but neither really, I don't think, will try and press us in midfield. So I, I suspect we'll Leicester be okay will. in those games. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, 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 in, I'm intrigued to see how that game goes because they, they, they do play a mixture of styles. They, they're, they're, they're not always a high pressing team. Often they play counter attack. They also might be on the beach. They also might be, you know, having a party. <laughs> Bring your substances, uh, various <laughs> mixes. Uh, following uh, the and FA frankly, Cup win. you could blame them. Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. So um, they definitely have the capacity to give us a hard time if they want to bother showing up and if they don't um, that wouldn't be completely surprising either in fact we have a long history of uh, punishing a Leicester side who are already on holiday on the last day of the season don't we so there you go five goals for Harry Kane golden boot in the bag wouldn't that be lovely uh, this is this is the, the question at the moment so this is from Marcus White who says is there any way outside of my foolish FIFA fever dreams to regularly get all three of Delhi, Geo, and Tongi on the pitch at the same time Time. If not, what would simply having all three integrated into the A team each week mean for Spurs at midfield next season? And we had similar questions from Corey and Scott H as well. Um, Bardi, how do we get these three players onto the pitch at the same time? I think someone's got to be sacrificed up front, and then maybe maybe we sell Sun and then we play all three because. 
I think you're definitely going to need a holder or two if you're going to play those three. So we would have to lose a forward. I think that's the only way we do it. Uh, but I think I think it's going to be difficult. I would. I mean, I quite like to see a manager that can do it, but I'm. I don't know. I'm not sure that's. I'm not sure we're ever going to see it as a as a starting formation without without selling a a forward. Okay. I mean, I I can see. I I think it, in all three plays you've got a lot versatility. Get my words out. You've got a lot of versatility there. Um. So I'm just wondering, like, could you, I think you could get away with the midfield of of Ndombele, Lo Celso and Huibier, and we, we haven't seen it properly yet. Um, but I also like the idea of a midfield of Skip holding with Huibier allowed to press a bit, and then one of Lo Celso and Ndombele. Um, if it's Ndombele, you could play Lo Celso then from the right in a, in a 4-3-3. I, I quite like that. Uh, Delhi is also able to play on the left, so it could be a rotation option for, for Son. Nathan, any thoughts? Do, do you think you need to squeeze them in at the same time? Is it just a case of rotation? Well, yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely true. You don't you don't have to play them all at the same time, um, especially with multiple games a week and everything else. Um, but I think, I mean, we've essentially we've been taking this question for two years, um, and I think that um, you can play geo wide right obviously Bale is there at the moment but if a new manager comes in and he wants to play more you know systemic football wants more stamina from his right winger wants 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 a more sort of forward looking um approach to setting up games then then you know Bale is there as an option is there as a sub is there as a a, a rotational option to to go against you know your midweek game and then Lacelso potentially is your your first choice right winger in a 4231 um i think i think a 433 is possible um and then maybe Delhi could either have to play wide left or we play with the diamonds with him as the tip i know that the spurs fan base have a negative relationship with the diamonds but it's not because <laughs> the formation itself is like necessarily like uh, inherently bad right. um right. so yeah i mean there's lots of options and there's also the option to not need to have all three on the pitch at the same time and and just be playing two at a time whenever so I basically think... it's a good problem to have yeah i mean I think we could play it if we had two two holding midfielders, say Schoeberg and Skip, just just for argument's sake, and then we play those three behind Kane. And if you've got dynamic enough fullbacks, Region and a a, a right footed version of Region on the on the right, I think that might work behind Kane. I don't, I just don't see it working with Kane and Son, but with with one striker, I think I think we could work. The three of them will be pretty narrow, and you're not going to get much width for them. But if you've got good fullbacks, then then they'll do that for you. Mm. I, yeah, you mentioning Regalon there, you've um, you've just reminded me of his exceptional work for the second goal, mm. which is, is probably worth just mentioning. He had, he had a strong game, I thought. Yes, um, looked really confident. Um, he just looks better when he's given license to go forward and given support as well. Uh, the pass out to him from Delhi was overhit but he he got a touch to it and kept it in and then did this like incredible slide tackle which hooked the ball round and maintained possession for himself and then um, put a ball in it was it was really good and yeah I, I think I still think that he's going to be one of our best players next year and I'm excited to see what he can do in a slightly more attacking team he nearly scored a, what would have been a really brilliant team goal uh, yeah. in the second half. A little bit half. of a lack of composure with the finish. He kind of slashed at it where he wanted to go low across the keep, probably. Uh, so, anything else we want to say on the game? No, I think we've covered off all the key points there. Let's talk about fans on the board. Um, so, Spurs have conceded, essentially. They, they've said that they are accepting of having a fan on the board um, in, in a statement they put out. And actually, there's been more progress more recently in that the the Tottenham Hotspur Supporters Trust have agreed to meet with the the board of Tottenham to discuss 
having an elected representative from the the fans on the board. Nathan, any thoughts? <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think it's really good. I think it's really good. I think it's really promising. Um, we talked. Um... We talked sort of uh, about the protests at the end of the last episode, and I said that the focus of that protest should be getting fans on the boards, and then Spurs have clearly listened to that episode. <laughs> uh, they've immediately <laughs> conceded that ground uh, before the process has even taken place. Um, they've conceded that ground so rapidly and so easily that it makes you go, mm, hang on a second, actually, is this is this real, is this genuine, or is this what Chelsea are doing, which is having like um, two fan overseers who can come to a couple of meetings a year and they're not allowed to say anything and it's like okay you know um but from everything that is written so far um it appears to be quite genuine now obviously the trust need to be involved and need to make sure that that is upheld and we need to you know be prepared to go to protest again um if that's 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 not what it is but it looks really promising um talking to the trust there's there's been a hell of a lot of criticism over the trust's um refusal to meet with spurs after um the whole european super league fiasco and then now they're agreeing to meet the board people are saying well why didn't you just do that before but it's like the trust to put up demands the club have like folded the club have met those demands and now the trust will meet them i don't know how you can possibly view that as anything other than an outright victory right the trust have refused to meet they've utilized their power they've demonstrated that they have that power because the club have folded you know a, a, a multi-billion pound company have folded to them and now they're saying okay you've met you've met all, your all the base level of demand we'll now meet and we'll talk things out so I, I don't understand how there is anything but but praise for the trust I'm, I'm completely confused by the by the way quite a few fans perceive the trust but there you go um but I think that this is this is really promising. Again, we have to keep the club on the heels. We have to keep making this what it says it is on the tin, and we have to um, ideally the, the the vote for for our representative goes through the trust because that's the best setup and organisation that we have, and isn't just you know Daniel Levy selecting one of his mates because he's a Spurs fan or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this is potentially really useful that's it that's exactly it we need manifestos we need campaigns now mm. we need to understand who we're electing onto the board and it needs to be um yeah done, just done done the right way we need to we need to understand exactly what um voice we're putting in amongst the tottenham hotspur board and we also need to accept that that person is not always going to represent all of our opinions of because it would be impossible for them to do so <laughs> uh and that god it's a, that's gonna be a thankless task for that person that individual i mean yeah i I would hate to I'd hate to do that job myself uh, because it's literally impossible to represent the the many voices of the Spurs fan base but um, if we we get the right person if we get a candidate who has the right manifesto I think it's a huge positive just having someone on there that understands what it's like to be a fan just changes the dynamic of of those meetings frankly and uh, and that is a good thing it's a step in the right direction 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. 
Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, this question is a little bit old, so I, I've been doing this recently. I've been going back to old questions when they've suddenly taken on a slightly new <laughs> meaning. But You're a nasty I, I think man. It's, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm not doing it for that reason. I think it's genuinely an interesting, interesting question. This is from Ben Bernstein, who says, Earlier on, I was sympathetic to Wendy and Nathan's view that this is a team that has a lot of potential, but has simply been put into an ill-fitting system by Mourinho, whose man management and personality have been extremely alienating as well. However, as the season has gone on, I've become sceptical that the squad does indeed have that potential. Yes, Wendy, I have spent the time on FB ref and see the per 90 <laughs> stats for players like Delhi and Lacelso, both of whom I love, but the sample size for both is relatively small and against mostly poor competition. It seemed clear to me that we need a massive multi-year investment in essentially all parts of the squad, save for maybe Tongi and Huey Bear's positions. Yes, even our attack, which is ageing rapidly. I would be overjoyed if we fired Jose, so you can see how old this question is. But what gives you hope that this squad could be competitive for top four under a different coach? Uh, Bardi, I want to I come to you first, because you've been very critical of the squad as a whole too, particularly our centre-backs. Mm-hmm. Um where do you stand on this? Do you think this is a squad that just needs a little bit of work by a good coach to become good again? Or do you think this is a, a case for wholesale, burn down the squad and start from scratch? Can I rephrase that question for you? Can I, how have the last few games made you feel about the squad? Have you ch- Has the last couple mm. of games changed your mind about the squad at all? No, I, it hasn't changed my mind about the squad. I still think this squad is more than capable of being top four. I mean, we're so close to top four this season and it's been a mess of a year. I think a lot of that hope and positivity going forward is the fact that we have the best striker in the world and we have Hugo Lloris who I I thought needed replacing but he has stepped up and he remains an incredible shot stopper and we have individuals in the team who who are brilliant I just think around that there's a lot of there's a lot of fluff and a lot of fat that needs to be trimmed and as we go through this part of the season where we're playing once a week against teams perhaps who aren't that motivated, we're, we're putting them away. But I still think I still think work needs to be done. I still think the defence needs a, a proper leader there. I'm not sure Toby's that guy to lead us through. And I, it's 100% not Dyer and Sanchez's time seems to be done unless the new manager can come in and, and get something out of this guy. So I think there's I think there's a lot of potential in this team. So I'm, like Wendy, I'm optimistic about what we can do. But... Um, I, I still think we need major work at right back, centre back, centre midfield, and a a third forward or a a change in style and how we play with our forwards. Okay, and, and Nathan, what about you? Are you um, are you optimistic still? Yeah, I mean, I, I've I've long held an optimism about this squad. I've always I've said throughout most of the season. I I uh, at the very least I suspect, but I believe that our team can play attacking, proactive football, um, and. These last few games have shown, yes, that's true, but obviously to a limit. Um, if teams like Leeds or the first half of Southampton can contest that midfield with us, they're going to give us a hard time. Um, but when we can control the game, and we can control the game, you know, against Sheffield United, against Wolves, um, 
and in the second half against Southampton, then we're going to look pretty good. And you can say, okay, well, that's just Wolves, and they're on a bad form right now. Okay, that's um, that's just a tired Southampton. That's just Sheffield United, the worst team in the league. But that's three teams already. And mm. then maybe you'll say that after we play Villa, and it's a Villa without Grealish, and they're not really good without Grealish, but that's 40. And suddenly it's like, well, okay... Uh, you can say it's just this, it's just that, but that's making up now a significant portion of the league. And this is where we're at, like, day one, nearly. Without wanting to undermine, like, Mason and Powell too much, this isn't even the beginning of a project that will look to build on those foundations. So our foundations are a side are just, you know, a group of players coming together under a couple of ideas who are already one of the better teams in the league. And I think that, that you know, there's potential both through management and organisation and also through, yes, some investment. Um, I think there's a there's a hell of a lot of potential in this squad. I mean, I think Tottenham and Autopilot, we beat, I still think we beat most of the teams in the league without without sweating. So I, I do think, I do think what I, what I hoped for, what, the reason why I back Mourinho is because this squad is good and we can see that under Mason that we will beat the majority of teams without breaking sweat. But what I was hoping for for Mourinho was that something rather blindly, something that could make us beat Man City like we did at home and may help us beat Arsenal and get those points. And I thought Mourinho could do that, but he couldn't. And in the end, he couldn't even beat us on, he couldn't even turn on the autopilot anymore. Mm. So what I want is a manager that can utilise his squad because I, I do think there's some good... I'm I'm not as angry with him anymore. I, I've been furious with him and I'm a kind of mellowed towards him. So I still... I do think, thinking rationally now with the anger gone, that there are some good players there. But I still do think we're completely lacking in, in a system and that's what I hope a Potter or somebody comes in and just instills that and then makes the key changes here and there because, yeah, we, we are close. We're so close to top four this season and it's been a mess. It is crazy, isn't it, how close we actually are to the top four despite it, what a it terrible season it's been. Bad results go our way and we're in the top four. It, it could still happen. I mean, it's very unlikely we'd need a miracle, but it could happen. Yeah, I mean, just the fact that it's not impossible is is insane to me at this point. <laughs> but I mean, I completely agree. I sort of agree with both of you. I, I agree with Nathan that there's a huge amount of untapped potential. I agree with Bardi that there is some, some, some chaff that needs to go and has needed to go for a few seasons. I mean, we've said on this podcast for the last two summers, I think, that there's there's certain players that we just want to get rid of and perhaps they've not been able to get rid of them, but now is the time just to take a price, take the hit, get rid, move on, bring someone fresh in, try something different, bring some youngsters through, whatever it might be, uh, but, but get some players off the wage bill for sure. But yeah, I mean, in terms of the untapped potential, I, I tweeted some time ago and I got some pelters for it that this is an exciting role for a for a progressive young coach because you you Delhi is the perfect example the way you should be looking at Delhi is look how incredible he was three years ago let's do everything we can to get him back to those levels where he was genuinely one of the best attackers in in the whole of Europe top five leagues he, he really was don't like go yeah but he's been crap for three seasons think how do I get him back to where he was you know twist the argument round and, and we're seeing we're seeing green shoots already we're seeing Delhi look like he's he's making steps in the right direction to to get him back to what he might have been um but it's not just Delhi is it it's Ndombele you know one of potentially one of the best midfielders in Europe if you get Ndombele playing as well as we know he can 
you've got a star in your hands. If you get Kane taking the numbers of shots that he did in this game against Wolves every week, he scores another five to ten goals on top of what he scored this season, which is insane. There's um, there's huge potential there. There's absolutely enormous potential, and that's before you even think of Skip, Sessegnon, Tanganga. I think Clark still is a, is a real high potential young player. You know, there's 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 a lot there to work with, and um, I'm excited. I'm excited to see whether we can become. Uh, competitive and who that coach might be uh, speaking of coaches Ben Bowman says who's your dread manager the worst but plausible hire Gobardi well we're in the pub um, on Saturday after the protest and I'm yet to renew my season ticket and we, we were discussing this what, not what manager <laughs> what manager would um, would would make me not renew because I, I I'm going I'm posturing that I'm not going to renew but I know I will renew so what manager would Spurs appoint him before the renewal date stop me and um, I think Sean Dyche I would I would renew I would <laughs> renew but I would be really angry about it and I would want to see his PowerPoint presentation I would, I'd want to see what he what he sold to Daniel Levy but I think Steve Bruce my season ticket goes in the bin I'm I'm not having that. But then the Roberto Martinez question came up. And I hate Roberto Martinez. And he's going to the Euros and he's not even going to be available until late July. Would, would Martinez, and I, perhaps, perhaps Martinez would make me delete my season ticket. But I, th- I think Steve wait, Bruce wait. would make you're, me. Yeah. You're more likely to renew for Dyche than Martinez. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mad. But I, I don't mind Sean Dyche. I, I, think he's, I think he's quite an honest manager who's... Who's taken a ragamuffin group of players and kept them in the Premier League, and they're, they're, they're a bad, bad football team. But he he does something with them and gets them to that forty point mark and keeps them safe. My so manager, I, I, would, I would take him. <laughs> I would take him. But Steve Bruce, no. Martinez is is, is a pro- probable no as well. And um, I think yeah, I think Steve Bruce is. The, I mean, I, I want to hear what you guys say, but yeah, Bruce is a is a definite uh, season ticket in the bin. Oh, buddy. No, like, Sean Dyche would just have Ben Davis chip, <laughs> chipping balls up the line to for Harry Kane to sort of work for channels. Yeah. Uh, and just hoping man, for a Harry bit of Kane. magic. Uh, yeah, he exactly. Likes, oh, God. Sign Chris Wood. I quite like Chris Wood. <laughs> no, I, think Chris Wood be, I actually think Chris Wood would be a good... A good kind of um, Lorente alternative. I honestly, I believe that Lorente was awful, but you guys were all happy with him because he had a he had a fancy yeah. surname. I think Laurent, I think Chris Wood would be a good alternative Plan B player. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm not having. I'm not. I'm, no, just no. Um, Nathan, who's your? Do you want me to go first, or have you got one? I've just brought up the um, the odds checker for. For next Spurs manager, and I'm looking down the list, and there's there's a few names. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, the best odds right now are Inzaghi. Um, I'm gonna gonna do my research, but that's you know that's that's a maybe pile for now. Uh, Potter, I like obviously Rogers. Um, I have some sort of personal uh, non fondness of, but as a manager, as a tactician, I rate him very highly. Scott Parker is a definite no for me. Uh, Martinez is like. Most likely no, but I think there's a small percentage of possibility that it could work out for him. I think there's something there. Benitez is a definite no. Oh my goodness, I would I would hack into Barley's laptop and cancel his his season ticket <laughs> renewal. But see, I do, I don't see I, I don't like about. Benitez. I don't like Benitez, but he's not kind of end of days appointment. I think um, K- 
Klingsman would be end of days. Ryan Mason would be end of days. <laughs> but Benitez, I, you know, I, I would accept. So you, you've just said mine. You've just said mine. Um, because I do think it's vaguely plausible. It's Ryan Mason. I, I think it would be such an awful decision to give him the job long term. And not that I have anything against Ryan Mason. I think he's a lovely human being. I really have admired the way he's handled the press conferences, which has been a, a big surprise. He's been pretty assertive. He's handled himself well. He's he's coped well with difficult questions. But he's just he's too early on his journey. He needs to go away, finish his coaching badges. <laughs> go go and manage a League Two club or a League One club and learn what it's actually like to be a football manager for two, three, maybe even four seasons before he even thinks about coming back. I mean, I think it's too early for Scott Parker when he's got a team promoted. Uh, you know, I think it's too early for Steven Gerrard and he's absolutely dominated his, his league. It's it's way too early for Ryan Mason. We need we need someone more um more experienced, more nuanced and more competent than Mason at this point. Sergei Rebrov is um thirty three to one. <laughs> How's he doing these days? Because um, he was doing no all right idea. a while back. Yeah, I I think I I think I, I would renew for Rebrov just to see the fireworks. <laughs> So Nathan, who who did you settle on? I, I mean, there's there's my point is that there's so many and there's so many that we're being like moderately strongly linked with. There's the whole minefield of terrible options out there. Uh, <laughs> let me let me see how far I have to scroll to see Jose Mourinho's name. He's, <laughs> Tim Sherwood is bottom of Sky Bet at 100 to one, alongside um, Wayne Rooney and Sol Campbell and Alan Pardew. I thought you were going to say Alan Partridge then. <laughs> Sol Campbell. Alan pa- Alan- Alan Pardew would be season ticket in the bin for sure. So Sergei Rebrov, um, his win percentage is obscene. Dynamo Kiev, second to none, sixty-eight <laughs> percent. Al Ali, sixty percent. Ferenc Varos, sixty-two percent. He's doing pretty well. There we go. The the prodigal son returns. Hmm. He's won two Ukrainian Premier League. <laughs> He's won. Oh, hang on. Yeah, that is as a manager. He's won. Is that the yeah the top level of Hungarian football twice? Maybe we just uh, re- uh, misread the uh, prophecy and we signed him as a player when we should have signed him as a manager. Instead, they just got it a little bit. They got the timings wrong on mm. it. No idea what style of football he plays, but uh, maybe it's one to add to the good manager series. <laughs> Jesus. Well, I mean, he's on the list, I guess. <laughs> um, Bardi, I'm going to ask this to you. This is mm. from Chris P. who says, Will a good centre-back signing transform the team the way that Virgil van Dijk did at Liverpool and Diaz has to a slightly lesser extent at City? Is it that easy? I mean, signing a good player always helps. So it's not that easy to fix Tottenham, but it's it will be a huge step in the right direction by removing Dyer. Yeah, I mean, again, I thought Dyer played pretty well in, in this game. Like, I just think if Dyer's got protection, if Dyer's playing in a possession-based team, if Dyer's not been asked to defend his six-yard box... <laughs> okay, wait, wait, so let, that's, that's let's a lot build... Of things. <laughs> that's a lot. Let's a lot build a team just to protect Derek Dyer. <laughs> no, I mean, formation. like, obviously fire Eric Dyer into the sun, obviously, but... But my point is, I don't think it needs, like, us to drop 80 million on the centre-back. I think if we just got a vaguely competent centre-back, or, hell, Joe Roden, or, you know, Jaffa Tenganga. I think we could still be perfectly competent. I mean, I do think this this summer is the perfect time to sell Eric Dyer. I think it makes complete sense to, to move him on, to give up on the experiment. Um, I think he is not a natural centre-back, frankly. I just don't. The perfect be... time to sell Eric Dyer is when Man United offers it as 50 million. 50 million. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. Yeah, that's crazy looking back, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 50 million. I, I think he... Buddy, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Dyer would look pretty good in Italy in the same way that Chris Smalling did. 
All right, I'm not yeah. gonna, I'm not, I'm not gonna rise to that bait. But yeah, <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah, maybe he would look okay in a, in as you said, he would look okay in a certain team that perhaps sits deep. Yes, mm-hmm. perhaps, mm-hmm. but he's still a, a, a not a very good footballer. There was, um, I was watching something recently. Like every now and then, I get these kind of trips of nostalgia, and I go back and start watching old Tottenham games and Eric Dyer pulling strings in midfield, and he just looked like a different. A different animal he just moved and he was able to pass and he could see what was happening on the pitch but I, I don't know I think there's something happened in his timeline where something just short-circuited and he's, he's just never been the same since because he was he was a wonderful player and I thought he would end up being like our version of De Rossi someone that could step back into a back three and, and look good in the middle and then step back four and then step into a, a midfield um, a midfield three or a midfield two it's, it's such a shame because he's a lovely guy and he's he's he, is. he talks wonderfully about Tottenham. He talks wonderfully about the game. I love his um, I love his the, the way he speaks Portuguese, and I love his whole upbringing. There's so much to like about him. Even today, someone I think Vaz um, commented on, on Twitter about how Dyer has been growing an allotment, a bit like Windy during lockdown and that kind of stuff. And I just I really admire Dyer, the human being. But he's and even like. It was totally wrong to just go marching into the crowd to protect his brother. But even stuff like that, you think Eric Dyer should be someone that we really appreciate and really love. But he's just not a very good footballer, and it's very sad. It's it's, it's such a shame. I agree. Dyer the man is a is a good egg for sure. Mm. Yeah. Uh, someone else who I think could work in a in a, a centre back formation that allows us to push into midfield is is Tanganga. You know, he's really impressed me with his ability on the ball. I obviously I've seen Tanganga play a lot over the years. I watched him when he was 16 for the youth team. I watched him for Spurs and for England, uh, um, various age groups, and he was really good. I I was thinking this guy is absolutely nailed on to make our first team. He's a quality centre back. Really liked him, and then it just didn't. It just went quiet, and I was like, okay, we've. They, for whatever reason it hasn't worked out he's gone he's dead and then Mourinho brought him in from nowhere and I was like yes this is excellent Tanganga's got so much potential he's a really good wholehearted defender who puts his body on the line and the thing that shocked me which I never saw is his ability on the ball and he showed it against Wolves he's able to sort of drive forward able to take the ball in tight spaces and be comfortable and win free kicks able to put in really dangerous crosses low a low ball that was really threatening i did not think tanganga had that in him to be honest and i think you know say it's potter and say we end up playing a back three which i think is, is questionable because potter could easily play a back four tanganga on the outside on the on the right of a back three with the ability to move into midfield that's a pretty good option to have i think i i, I do like the thought of that uh, Dan Weisselberg says, how do Spurs rate on success of throw-ins? I read an interesting piece a while back on how Liverpool use a data analyst and are developing specific tactics. Uh, Nathan, it's something I know you take a passing interest in, throw-ins and set pieces more generally. Uh, I think, personally, we are very bad at throw-ins. Hmm. The only time I get excited about throw-ins is when Gareth Bale rushes over and grabs the ball quickly and tries to do a long throw. He's got an incredibly long throw, Gareth Bale, and he does it quickly. This is the key, I think, to throw-ins. Whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. Catch the other team off guard. Uh, Nathan, any insight on throw-ins? Hmm. Um, I don't know what our rate of success is. Um but I also think you need to think about how you measure the rate of success because um, if you're measuring like where the ball lands in the first place, that's not necessarily indicative of how things are going to go over the next five seconds. Um, yeah, okay, over the last 10 years, the Premier League has caught up with the rest of Europe to become a high-pressing and counter-pressing league and who contest the middle compactly and from multiple directions 
Um, and it hasn't really developed, except maybe with Liverpool a little bit, it hasn't really developed um, its throw-ins. And so as a result, having a throw-in, your team having a throw-in is a bad situation because it's a player is off the pitch and now you're 10 v 11 and you're lobbing the ball into the middle of the fields, right? Um, so, yeah, <laughs> the first thing before you worry about your own throw-ins is that um, you should think about your opposition throw-ins and you should set up to recognize throw-ins as a counter-pressing opportunity. Okay, that's something that, that most teams are sort of getting towards. As a result, that leads us in a situation where, yeah, again, having a throw-in is a terrible thing, especially if Sergio Aurier has taken them. Um, so now we need to like reconsider, like, what are we doing at throw-ins? And I think that um, we stop lobbing it into like the player who's a few yards away, right? Either... Um, Get your fullbacks to master the long throw, right? Hire Thomas, um, I've forgotten his name, uh, the, the long throw coach, the, the, the former javelin, um, competitor, right? Get, get some long throws in your fullbacks and then you're either lobbing it into the box or you're throwing it all the way back to your keeper and beginning position there because doing the little, like, a couple of double movements from the near side midfielder and then throwing it there is like, okay, yeah, he might get the ball first, but then he's immediately under pressure from two directions and the midfielders around him have all changed places and the guy has the thrower still hasn't stepped back onto the fields and he doesn't, you know, so, um, yeah, throw-ins need to rethink. And I think that rethink is coming over the next couple of years. We're going to see throw-ins look very differently in, in a, a two years time than they do right now. Bardi, anything to add? Yeah, I think my manager, Sean Dyke, should really sort out our throw-ins <laughs> as well. It's literally just put it on the head of the biggest man in the team, isn't yeah. it? Hit Chris Wood Cut, early. Yeah, find Woody. Find Woody. Woody. Yeah, it is. It and is. Uh, what I do like is um, our friend Duncan Alexander, great man, Ollie Saylor on Twitter, is Wood is now the highest scoring material in um, Premier League history <laughs> over, over Stones and, Stones. I guess... <laughs> silver or maybe metal I don't know but yeah would would have scored more goals than any other material in the Premier League I love that stat nice um, last one before we wrap up from Fergus Costello who says any thoughts on the end of the Darude Sandstorm era at Spurs oh. um, I, I, am I missing something why is it the end of the Darude Sandstorm era because fans because will be back yeah so they'll stop doing goal back. music but mm. it still plays this, it still plays Sandstorm though no, I don't think so. I, mean, I, think I, did. I had in mind that the new stadium was playing it with or without fans. Am I wrong? I'm not sure. No, now. I think you're wrong. I think they just. Okay. I think well, I've only ever noticed it since there hasn't been fans. But um, I'm quite looking forward to it. I mean, on on Saturday, going back to the stadium, the walk up the the walk up Seven Sisters, just seeing the the monster of the stadium looming above looming above all the shops and stuff. It was um. Yeah, it's been it's been over a year since I was last there, and it's the longest time I've gone without watching Spurs play. And it was it was nice to get back into the routine of it. And even though it wasn't a game, it was um, I realised how much that kind of journey and that just just getting to Tottenham was, was part of my ritual of watching football. And I think over the last year or so, I have even though like you know the whole my manager stuff and loving Spurs and stuff doesn't go away, I have become a bit detached from Tottenham, and I can just take it or leave it now uh, it's it's on TV and it's one of those things that I can catch up later and I don't like that I like Tottenham being something which, which kind of almost you build your weekend around and this whole lockdown has made Tottenham kind of secondary of course because it is football secondary but yeah I, I'm looking forward to getting back to the stadium now and watching my manager Deitch <laughs> 
How was your How was your journey, by the way? Your new journey. Um, very simple. Just um, the only difference was I had to drive to the tube, uh, to drive to the train station, but it was fine. Great. Nice. And Nathan, any thoughts on the sandstorm <laughs> um, as an anthem? Well, <laughs> I like my nineties trance. I like Darude. I like Tiesto. Whatever. I don't like goal music, so it's kind of a weird conflict of things. And obviously, over the last year or so, I haven't particularly enjoyed <laughs> watching Spurs. So that's developed a weird relationship there. Yeah. Um. I don't know. It, it's 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 a really good song. <laughs> it's a song that I, I really, really like, but like, it's also like prior to becoming on goal music, it became like the meme song where it's like, if someone asks what song is in a video, the joke answer is the rude sound. Some I don't understand <laughs> where that has come from or why, but it's, it's kind of funny that like it would then become the song selected by our players. <laughs> I don't know why 90s trance is so popular with us, with our squads. It's bizarre. It's kind of a weird thing. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to being able to enjoy the song on its own merits and separate it from from sun smiling basically. Oh god, I'm looking forward to that sort of slight moment of silence whilst you wait for the ball to go into the net and then the, the incredible roar. roar of the crowd. Mm. And it was so good watching the FA Cup final over the weekend. I absolutely loved watching it. Not just because it was an interesting game, but mainly because the fans were there. It's such a difference. Seeing the Leicester players celebrate with the fans, it just made me so jealous. I, I loved it so much. Soon. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindmer for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindmer. Do check him out, he's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.uk and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.